Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, joined today, as always, by Perry Hughes and special guest Chad Dillard. Chad and Perry, welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm happy to be here, Brett. Hope you're doing well today. And Chad, we're super pumped to have you today. Um, Just a little quick uh, background. Chad and I have known each other for, we were talking about this morning, over 10 years, which is wild to think about how fast time flies. Um, But Chad is a a great man, someone who I respect uh, greatly. I've always admired you. I've always, um, he's one of those guys. So let me back up a little bit. His girls or his oldest girl started in our gymnastics business when she was two, two about two years old, and she's getting ready to turn. She'll be 13 this summer. 13 this summer. So that's wild. So that's initially how we got to know each other is just through um, my gymnastics business. But you're one of the guys and your family is one of the families that has always stuck out to me and stuck out to Nancy. And we've always admired y'all and valued you. Chad actually works in the company now. He's the party specialist. Um, but his main profession is in full-time ministry. So Chad has been in the ministry for 20 years. Is that right? Yes. I think I started around 2001. So a little over 20 years. That's awesome. And has done youth pastoring, children's ministry, um, and currently is the children's pastor at Second Baptist here in uh, Rutherfordton. And brother, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. Excited for the conversation today. I think the listeners are going to really get a lot out of it. And frankly, I'm confident that I'm going to get some stuff out of it. And Brett, I know you will too. Yeah. So it's going to be great times. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about this. This is an honor. Yeah. Really awesome. Cool. Well, just to get started, give us a little bit of background just about you. Uh, you're a youth pastor now. Did you always know you wanted to go uh, into ministry? There's a story. Uh, so initially um, went to college, went to Western Carolina University to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I always kind of felt the call to work with young people. Uh-huh. Um, that's always been my heart, I think. Um, and so I, I went, to, went, like I said, went to Western Carolina for four and a half years and no degree. So do the math there and see what was, what was going on. Uh, at some point in that, that, um, that time I realized like this, this is not it. What I'm doing is not it. God was laying something on my heart and it was just took me a while to figure that out. And, um, those years were not wasted. That's where I met my wife now. So you can't, you know, can't miss that. That's a blessing. But also some of the people that I met in that time at Western, were the connections that sort of helped the pieces come together in ministry. That's cool. And so um, the first ministry position I ever had, I didn't even have an undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. And these folks hired me out of just for, for, and I was actually a music minister at the time too. I okay. did youth and music at that first position. Um, so music's always been a part of my ministry, but that was the time I learned I'm not called to be a music minister, but I am called to to work in ministry with young people. And so- cool. For um, the first 10 or 15 years or so, I uh, was a youth pastor working with teenagers, middle school through college. Um, and then uh, the last four or five years at my previous position, I took 
I did youth and children. Mm -hmm. And then in this current position, it is solely children. And which is really a misnomer because it's really children and their families, their parents. And that's so rather than actually working toward a younger target, I actually feel like almost I'm working toward an older target. It's that same generation that I was pastoring as teenagers Mm -hmm. who are now parents. Yeah. And helping them to disciple their kids. And so uh, eventually I did go back and uh, finish a, my undergrad degree with a, a bachelor's in Christian um, Christian ministries, um, excuse me, religious studies. Mm-hmm. And then went on to uh, Divinity School Seminary uh, after that. So all those good things, as if that matters at all. But uh, just to kind of say, wow, are we listening yeah. to this guy? That's that's my background. Cool. That's where I'm come from. And I'm also a dad. Yep. I'm the only dad in this trio that does not have a son, though. Yeah. I have two daughters. Yeah. Um, and this summer they will be 13 and 10. So um haven't quite got into those teenage years yeah. yet, but I have witnessed a lot of those teenage years right. with other families. Right. So you hopefully, the head start. Hopefully, <laughs> I will pick up some you. good things and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll handle it a little better than, than I would have otherwise. Sure. So, um, not, not super excited about that, but, but trying to get prepared for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we need to talk about all of that because I have a 13 year old son as well. Curious to hear maybe some of the similarities, perhaps, and differences. Between the two as they enter those teenage years. But but you you hinted at something, not hinted at, I mean, you said something that I think is important, which is that a big part of what you do is, yes, you're trying to minister to the kids, but you're also talking with the parents. And, and that's the conversation we're going to have here today, which is, as fathers ourselves, what do we need to know? What do we need to be thinking about so that we can help disciple our kids better? Let's back up even a little bit more, though, because it sounds like you had a little bit of a, a lost period, perhaps. Is that I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Did you did you grow up in the church? What sort of influence did your own parents maybe have on your spiritual upbringing or lack thereof? Yeah, I grew up in the church, uh, Christian family. I mean, church was one of those things that was expected. There wasn't a um, "Are we going?" It was uh, we always went to church, um, and so the the difference in what I try to um, to instill in, in pa- families, parents that I work with now that I think my parents maybe didn't do so intentionally is the discipleship at home. Um, I often, Perry and I are having this conversation a, a few weeks ago about the way that I feel like as a society and parents, we have subcontracted out our parenting roles. You know, um, we we expect, you guys don't, you guys homeschool your kids, but a lot of folks send their kids to school. And so they expect the government or or even a private school to to educate their kids. We expect um, the church to disciple our kids. We expect IGA to make sure our kids are how to get physical activities and things like that. You know, so um, I feel like sometimes our parents, as parents, we we say, "Well, I'm not the expert in this. Let's let somebody else do that," and that's good to a certain degree. Um, but I think biblically. And I, I, hopefully we can read a passage I've got pulled up here for us at some point. Biblically, parents are the ones who should be pointing their kids to God. And so my parents did that in, in certain ways. Um, so I feel very privileged. I'm not knocking my parents at all. They, they were great. But church was how I was discipled. And I don't recall a whole lot of Bible teaching at home. Mm-hmm. But an example was certainly lived in front of me. Right. You know, um, in fact, as an, a teenager, my dad really went through a real hard struggle and could have easily turned to alcohol, could have turned to, you know, all kinds of things. And I watched him turn to the Lord mm-hmm. and um, 
turned to reading scripture and turned to listening to music that that pointed him to God and and that left an impact on me and I don't know had that not happened to him and I seen the way he handled that some of the difficulties I've been through I you know I wouldn't have been able to say no that's what dad did and it worked you know intrinsically just sort of said this is what you do I don't think it was ever said to me that way it was just shown to me that way. yeah you know yeah well, isn't that is that more important? You know, we hear that all the time. Do do as I, not do as I say. You know, do as I do. We often follow what we see modeled for us almost more than anything. I can remember one conversation profoundly, and we've talked about it on this this podcast, where I was impacted spiritually, at least I would say, by something that that my father said specifically. Pulled me aside. Had a had a sort of a spiritual conversation with me in a way that that stuck. But I'm sure he said a hundred other things that I don't remember at age 44. But as you suggested, looking back, it was more the way he lived his life, the way that I saw him serving others, the way he was generous with his time, serving in soup kitchens, all of the things, you know, that I could see him do and how he lived his life. So you're saying maybe your father didn't step into the role of spiritual guide as much as maybe was needed but but how important is that and maybe maybe you can go ahead and read the verse that that you had uh, suggested we take a look at to serve sort of as a foundation for the rest of this conversation and then maybe you can sort of weigh in on that thought mm-hmm. yeah so this is um just just some biblical foundations for i think everything that we're probably going to talk about today um, this is from, from Deuteronomy chapter six, and sometimes it's called the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for the very beginning of it, which just means listen, um, hear this, you know? And so this is from, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, beginning verse four says, listen, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments I'm giving you today. And here's where I think it applies to us specifically today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house mm. and on your gates. Mm. And, you know, and this this principle is repeated time and time again. I think of times when... um. God says, set up a, a monument here or or build an altar here or even pile up a pile of rocks here. Mm-hmm. And what is the purpose of this is, and he says, so when that you when you pass by and your children say to you, what is that pile of rocks about, Dad? Yeah. You tell them what the Lord has done. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, there are several stories that, that just a couple that come to mind of, of dads who did not pass that down to their kid. I think of Samuel. Samuel was a great man of God, a great prophet. We read pretty pretty clearly that his his sons didn't follow God. Yeah. Now, where was the disconnect there? You know, Samuel lived and and breathed and and was the spiritual person for the whole nation at that time. Mm-hmm. But his children didn't follow God. Um, a few kings, you know, you can read about the kings as you're reading through Chronicles and Kings, and there were great kings who led the people to to follow God. And then you read the next paragraph, and their sons did the exact opposite. You know, there's a few, I think of like Hezekiah was seen as one of the greatest and then his, his son was seen as one of the worst. Mm. Where did that happen? Yeah. And I think there, so there's, there's some, you can be as good a person as, as possible, 
and there can still be a disconnect if, if, if things aren't right. What that looks like, I don't know. But uh, sure, um, I, I, I try to tell my, my, my parents and try to instill this, that there's like a three-pronged approach, you know, be, be a part of a church community. Mm-hmm. Take your kids to church and be a part of a community. Because when you're struggling, then you maybe you've got other folks around you and they've got other examples. Because as those, those kids become teenagers, we all know, um, you know, when when you're young, your parents are superstars and they're heroes and they know everything. And then there's some somewhere in that teenage years, there's a there's something that flips and yep. you know, suddenly their parents know yeah. nothing. <laughs> and uh, they're stupid. I don't like to use that word, but that's yeah. what they, you know, kids, yeah. teenagers feel like you are. And so when they can see other adults, maybe they'll, they'll be influenced that way. Um, second thing is to spend time as a family talking about reading the word, you know, mm-hmm. um, and maybe we can talk about some strategies of what that might look like. But then the third one, I think, is what we've, we've already hit on is to live authentically mm-hmm. in front of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a hard thing, too. I think sometimes uh, we don't want people to see our struggles, but our kids are going to see our struggles. Our kids are going to see yeah. our doubts. They're with us all the time. And so we can be authentic with them and work through that together. And to me, that was like I like I said about my dad. That was the biggest influence on me was to see in him, even in his struggle, turn to God, mm-hmm. and to see God delivered through that mm-hmm. was a, was a big impact on me. I think. Yeah, I love that. And so what I'm hearing you say is that it's it's that three part. You can't if you just do one thing. Mm-hmm. If all we do is go to church every time the doors are open, man, we're at church. But I don't have this authenticity of my faith at home, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian only when I show up at church and there's not this authenticity. There's real, there's not this relationship growth development as I walk with God through life, then I'm going to provide my kids with an incomplete training. If I, if yeah. all I do is tell them about it, tell them about it, tell them about it, teach them, look in the word and teach them. But my life doesn't then match up with that. I'm a hypocrite and it's not going to do the whole package, but also I think sometimes it's easy to err on the side of only focusing on the modeling Mm -hmm. and not focusing enough on the open up the scripture. Let's look at it together. Let's, let's do the specific work of, you know, teaching them, telling them, you know, over and over and over again. Um, and, and I, I'm hearing you say it's really all three. And I love that because that's, what's going to round out the, the complete package with the kids. So, yeah. So as we look at that and think about that, I think some people are intimidated by the dive into the scripture part of it. You know, I, I think sometimes we can say, well, life's busy, you know, whatever. But I think sometimes it's easy for people to you know, it's easy for parents, it's easier for fathers to to miss out on that part. And I think a lot of people are good at being at church and being a part of a community and living that authentic life. But then I think maybe sometimes where people fall short is that open up the word, because I think a lot of people think, well, I'm not an expert. I didn't go to seminary. I don't, you know, the Bible sometimes is confusing. I don't fully understand everything in the Bible. You know, so I think maybe that's, Part of why people shy away from that? Mm-hmm. Would you have you seen that oh, to be true? Absolutely, I think it's intimidating. I think, yeah. um, but I also think that perhaps part of that comes from having this idealized idea of what that time might look like. Mm. You know, um, I'm a children's pastor. I'm supposed to know 
the Bible. I'm supposed to know how to handle children, but I can tell you there have been times yeah. that our family devotion time has just fallen apart. Yeah. And hasn't happened. There have been times when yeah. even dad, myself, have lost my cool and been like, you know what? We're not even reading tonight. Just go to bed. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, and then of course immediately once everything's quiet, I'm I'm regretting and praying and asking mm-hmm. for forgiveness, Lord, why to, why can I find just a little more patience? Yeah. Um, but it happens. And then there are times when we read something and it should be really rich and we all just kind of look at each other and go, okay, right. I didn't get anything out of that, but that's yeah. cool. Let's just pray together and go to sleep, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've talked to other pastors who do theirs in different ways and it, it, there are times when nothing comes over. There are times mm-hmm. when it, it falls apart and doesn't happen. Um, there are times when you just stare at each other and think yeah. oh, that was pointless. Yeah. But then there are those times when something really clicks and sometimes it takes several, several, several times to get there. And so I, 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 what I hope first thing we can do is just dispel this mm-hmm. idealized vision of what spending time in the word together might look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be a, a three point sermon yeah. either preaching to your kids. In fact, I would say, don't do that. Not like stay as far away from preaching yeah. uh, as you can and, and let it be more of an exploration, you know, mm-hmm. Um, but also to realize there are plenty of tools to use. There are devotional guides, there are books, there are mm-hmm. podcasts, there are uh, audio, all kinds of stuff that you can use that you don't have to be the expert. Right. Um, and then also it's okay to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially if we can take um, less of a, hey, let's read this passage and figure out how we can apply it to our life. Let's Let's scrap that. And let's say, let's read this and let's explore it. Let's ask some questions. Do you have some, you know, mm-hmm. what was that about? That was kind of weird, right? Yeah. Um, why did Jesus turn water to wine? Why, well, yeah. why did why did that happen? Or, um, you know, um, just just think of some stories off the top of my head that are really mm-hmm. fun to talk with, with kids, you know, about the when Jesus spit and made mud, yeah. like, that's gross. You know, <laughs> why do we do that? Or my, my daughter's favorite stories right now. Uh, I'm going to write a devotional book and they all have to do with poop. <laughs> uh, there are so many Bible stories you you don't realize that have to do with poop. And my nine year old just that's like if we don't have uh, if we're in between uh, books of the Bible or, or devotional books, she's like, can we just read the poop story? <laughs> no, no, we don't need to do that one again. Not. Um, but you know, there's there's just. But yeah, read the poop story every now and then. Make sure. it fun yeah. and 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 ask why was that included in that mm-hmm. story? Why would why would the writer, why would God, why would the Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible mm-hmm. want that left in there? What right. What's the point, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's, it's not the point. It's just yeah. fun. Yeah. And, and it'd be okay with that, too. Sure. So, um, but you've, you've got to do it in a way that works for your family. You know, when, when is it? Where is it? That, those kind of things you've got yeah. to think about. That's that's specific to your family. So sure. we can talk more about that if you want to. But. Um, I, I just think stop thinking it's got to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be. I think consistency is yeah. is more important than perfection when it comes to something like this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I think it's a testimony to the recognition that it's it's God who changes hearts. Absolutely right. So as you were talking about that, sometimes it's a magical moment. Well, that's when the Lord is stirring in your kids' hearts. That's when they were ready 
to learn that or to gain that wisdom or to have the veil pulled away from their eyes so they could see God for who he is. And while we're called to strive to provide an, an environment of facilitating that, ultimately that heart work is God's work. For sure. It's not our work as a father. We can't we can't force our kids to have a heart change because they're their own independent person. And so as you were kind of describing some of those, you know, less than amazing moments of, of devotion with a family, that's just a great reminder to me as a father that the work that happens on the hearts of my children is actually not my responsibility. Now that's, you know, there's like, oh, I can't really say it's not my responsibility because I have a responsibility to put my kids in that place. But ultimately, God's the one who does the hard work, not me. Right. And so I just, I kind of couldn't help but think along those lines as you were, as you were talking about that. And so for me, that's just a good reminder that God does the work. For sure. I think, you know, the principle is the same as in how we, we share the gospel. You yeah. know, we, it is our responsibility to share the gospel. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit's the one that does the work to change the heart. Yeah. And so I think it is our responsibility as, as parents, especially yeah. as dads, uh, maybe that we, we try to make that time the best, you know, maybe, maybe some questions to ask are like, what, what time of day are your kids the most receptive? Mm-hmm. Like, First thing in the morning is not happening at my house. Yeah. You know, we're rushing. We're trying to, to, to get, first of all, we're trying to wake up. Second of all, we're trying to get dressed. We're trying to yeah. get breakfast. We're trying to get out the door at time because our kids go to school and have a tardy bell, right? We've got to get right. there. Yeah. Um, dinner time may not be the best because some nights during the week we're, we're here at the gym, you know? Mm-hmm. And so dinner is, is just different yeah. for us. Our most consistent time, we just started this young, was that at bedtime, mm-hmm. we're all there together. That's cool. Um, 90 to 95% of the time. And so mm-hmm. we knew that was that was it. And so we have always, at the very least, prayed together. Yeah. And usually read something together. Yeah. Um, so that works for us. For some folks, it may be uh, the car ride to school or the car ride, you know, back back home from school or the car ride to the ball game or to, you know, and maybe it's not every day. Maybe it's sure. once a week. Um, I personally think every day is more consistent than once a week because our weeks get jacked up sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, where, when is the best time for your family and your family rhythm and to be consistent because that, that's the pos the, uh, the most important part of this is just to be consistent with it. Because once you start falling off and they're like, Oh, we got to do this. No, this yeah. is what we do every day. Yeah. We don't have that question. We go on vacation mm-hmm. and it just, it's different. We still yeah. gather either in the, the master bedroom of the place we're staying or in the living room or in, you know, there's a place we always come uh-huh. together. We always read, even if it's reading just this quick passage from my phone, my Bible uh-huh. on my phone. Um, and then of course, you know, what time of day, Maybe the evening before bed is not the time when your kid, they're just, they're done. Right. And they're not going to be receptive for us. That is even a time that it calms us all down. Mm -hmm. And so for each person listening to this, you know, you got to figure that out. And also where, yeah, where is your kid most comfortable? I've got two girls. So we all gather in their bed, one of their beds, we alternate and we're all sitting there, you know, looking at each other Mm -hmm. and talking. Yeah. If you've got boys, that might not be it. Right. Right. 
maybe for, for boys, it might be passing ball in the backyard for a while and then say, mm-hmm. Hey, let's sit down and let's read the scri- scripture yeah. and then pass ball again while you talk about it Yeah, or shooting hoops or, yeah. um, you know, that's something you can do consistently. A hunting trip may not happen every day, but once a month or once a year, you really have that spiritual conversation, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Think through what, what's consistent for my family, where would be the best space for this without distractions and what time of day is best Mm -hmm. for my kids and my family that they can be focused enough to do this, you know? Um, And then just be consistent with it. Yeah. And, and find what works. And be okay to fail. You yeah. know, this didn't work. Okay, we'll try to get something else next mm-hmm. time. So your oldest daughter is 13. You're sort of at the front end of the teenage years. I'm in the same place. But you have been in children's ministry enough to have seen kids, you know, progress all the way through to adulthood. My question for you, just based on things that I'm starting to see in my own family and wrestling with a little bit, is is it inevitable that at some point, even if we, even if we create the perfect environment as we're growing up, you know, we're, we're checking off the three boxes you talked about. They're in a community. We're modeling a, a perfect spirit, not perfect, but a great spiritual life for our kids, and and we're doing these daily devotionals, and and we're doing all of this. At some point, though, our kids are going to explore push back, venture off the path. I, I don't really know how, how to word it necessarily, but I will say that I'm I'm starting to see some of that, an attraction to things of this world, for example. There's going to be this internal wrestling that kids go through. What have you seen that leads to maybe the best long-term success to where kids are able to navigate that feeling out part of their journey well and don't depart so far from their their faith that that they get lost. Sure. I think part of that is the authenticity we've already talked about. Um and that's just part of it. Let me talk about that for a minute and then I've got another idea. But I think there there's a trend of and maybe it's not a trend. It's it's always been, I suppose, that at some point, like I said earlier, you know, um kids think their parents are rock stars and they know everything. And then there's a point where something changes and they think we're just dorks who don't know anything. Right. And I think from the spiritual side of that, they can start to question, well, mom and dad have always said this, but what if, you know, and Mm -hmm. other voices come in and, you know, there's this big fear of folks who who want to make sure their kids know all the things so that when they go off to college and college is the big bad wolf and, and yeah. uh, professors and other people are going to ask them questions and and rock their faith. Right. And so I think maybe we're starting to see a better approach to that. But in, in the past decade or two, her name is Meredith Ann Miller. She says that that curiosity is better than certainty. Mm. And she talks about how to foster that. You can find her on Instagram and all the good stuff, mm-hmm. Meredith Ann Miller. And um, she says things like, instead of read a Bible story to apply it, let's explore it. That was her language I used earlier, actually, probably. Um, and so to say, what yeah. does this story say about God? Yeah. Rather than, here's what you can learn from this, you know, right. that as as the parent, yeah. quote unquote, leading. Right. The devotion said, "What is? What do you? What did you hear about God in this story? Mm-hmm. You know, what was weird? What was funny? What was? Mm-hmm. Why do you think this happened?" Um, and when a kid asks a question, 
even if you know the answer, but especially yeah. if you don't, to yeah. say, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah. In fact, I would just say, if you're if you know all the answers, you're more like the Pharisees yeah. than you are Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um Jesus tend to like questions better than than statements anyway, too. Yeah. And I think especially we're not God. <laughs> yeah. So just say, you know what, man, I don't really know. Yeah. Or and like I said, even even if you do know the answer, it's okay to go, well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And and help them explore that. The reason I say that is because I think that once they get into those those times where other folks are asking questions, they're not just completely like, oh my goodness, we were wrong. Right. It's a, hey, that's a good question. They can yeah. respond in that. They already have that, mm-hmm. that language and that style of, that's a good question. Let me explore that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even in seminary, I had some of that. But I, the seminary I went to really helped us to question those things. And so there were some things, I grew up in very conservative churches um, who, who had all the quote unquote yeah. answers. Right. And so when they first asked, it was like, you guys are heretics. How are you yeah. even ask that question <laughs> yeah. until you explore and realize they're not the, the your professor is not the first one to ask this question. These questions have been asked about Christianity and about Jesus and about God for centuries. Mm-hmm. And there are still people who follow this Jesus that still has all these questions. And, um, so God's not afraid of our questions. Yeah. And I think sometimes as parents, we are afraid of the question, more afraid of the questions than, than God is. God is truth. Mm-hmm. And we keep seeking truth. We're going to find God. We were talking about that on the way to school this morning. Uh, we Going back to what you were suggesting, and I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast, the way to school is a good time for me to have conversations with my kids. We actually do a daily devotional on the way to school. And and this morning, we we had that exact conversation, and the idea was was essentially what you just said. You know, how do you, how do you get to go know God better better and the realization that if you knew all the answers anyway there would be no mystery to God and if there's no mystery to God he's really not all that interesting. He's really not God in that case anyway. It's like everything we know you kind of get bored with and you move on to something else. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so so I think that's a great way to frame that is is asking your and I fall into that trap of trying to give answers as opposed to trying to tease out what my kids think about it and asking questions and being curious and and acknowledging. And by the way, that speaks to the authenticity piece, right? They want to see us authentically seeking and asking questions as well. We certainly don't want to model this, this false identity that we have everything figured out in life either. And it also, I think, leaves an open conversation for when they run into a question that they can't find the answer to they can they, they feel comfortable coming to you. It's just like everything else that we we talk with our kids. You know, we're we're trying now with our 13 year old who's getting ready to to head into those teenage years and boys and sexuality and, and all that kind of stuff. We've tried to have those conversations in the developmentally appropriate way so that when the time comes, she's not, oh, I don't know if I can talk to mom and dad about this. Right. That she's that's a completely net, the first right. place she wants to go is to come to us, yeah. you know, maybe not to dad, but to mom at least in sure. certain situations. But, um, and that so you can't uh, that's the other thing. I, I see a lot of parents who they they get into you know, the kid turns 14, 15, and these questions, and then they go into panic mode, and that's where they come mm-hmm. to us as the pastors of the church, like, mm-hmm. what help me with my kid? Yeah. And it's like, I will, I'll, I'll do my best to help you, but what really would have helped is the past 10 years, mm-hmm. you should have seen this coming, you yeah. know. You know that after they're four, they're five. And yeah. then guess what? They're six. Yeah. And eventually they're 16. Yeah. That's coming. Yeah. 
And, um, and I'm not being, I don't mean to be, you know, looking down on folks and, and that kind of thing, but it's coming. Yeah. You know, the questioning our, our, of the faith is coming. Yes. And, and, and our job as parents is to run ourselves out of a job in 18 years. Yeah. You know, we don't want to have to continue to treat our 20 year old like our 14 year old. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's hard because I want to keep her little, you know, I want that. I don't want them to have to grow up and face yeah. the, the things of this world the way that, but just because I don't want it to happen, doesn't mean it's not yeah. going to. And yeah. so my job as a parent is to prepare her mm -hmm. to be able to face that. And this is part of that too, is to prepare her, prepare her for the spiritual things and the struggles and the questions and the doubts yeah. and the challenges yeah. from, from outside and within. And so to have an open conversation and this consistency in this area too allows not a, encourages and hopefully increases the chances that they can come to you and go, Hey, I heard this thing. What is that yeah. about? And even then maybe we don't have the certainty, but we can say, I don't know, but God's big enough. Yeah. You know? And, and, and again, instead of, Hey, how can we apply this story? The principle should be, how can we know God better? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, Meredith Ann Miller, another quote from her, or at least a paraphrase, because I'll probably get it wrong, but something to the effect of how can we expect a, a kids to follow a God they don't trust? Mm -hmm. How can we expect them to obey a God they don't know? So if we help them know who God is and learn that God is good and great, God can be trusted. That's a God I can follow. Yeah. Not someone that mom and dad just shook their finger at me and said, do this, ABC, Ten Commandments. You know, because whatever. I said so. Because I said so yeah. kind of thing. God's trustworthy to follow mm -hmm. and to help them know God in that way. Yeah. That's awesome. And what I'm hearing you say is as we work through studying the scripture and asking questions and formulating questions and saying, what do you think about that? Yeah. It is opening the door to when they really come to that point, like what you're talking about, Brett, of is this all actually real? Is this actually worth following to get to those really that core moment because there there becomes a moment in a kid's life where the faith goes from being their parents' faith if they're raised in the church, their parents' faith to their own faith. You know, sure. mine was in college mm -hmm. and I kind of spent most of my high school years running away from God because I thought frankly most Christians were people that didn't really have fun and lived by all these rules and man, I wanted to have fun. I wanted to do wild things. I wanted to be crazy. I wanted to have a good time. And that didn't match up with who I saw modeling the Christian faith. And But there was a point when I realized, oh, this, this faith that my parents have been modeling and teaching and bringing me to church and surrounding me with community and you know, we didn't study scripture a lot at home. We prayed a lot at home together. But modeling these things, it's actually what I believe. This is what I want to follow. I want to follow Christ, you know? And so there was that moment. But what I'm hearing you say is if we as parents now, when the kids are younger, can begin to study the scripture through questions, it opens the door for them to bring those bigger questions later versus feeling like, they're doing something wrong by questioning. Yeah, that's exactly Whereas if we always try to bring the answer, this is the answer. This is why it is. This is true. Then it's almost like they're disappointing us with mm -hmm. questioning it. 
Well, yes. And also when, when they come to something that they don't have certainty on the, the, the fear that I have and, and I've seen it happen is that they just abandon it all. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Because they can't figure the whole thing right, out. Right. Yeah. And so they're not comfortable with, with, okay, well, I don't know the answer to that, but that doesn't negate who Jesus is. Sure. That doesn't negate how great sure. good God is just because I don't understand this. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how much I need to say about this, but I, I really get frustrated with folks. And maybe this is an extreme with folks who say, if you don't believe in a literal seven day creation, that they'll put some language on it. Like, well, you have to believe that, or you might as well throw the whole Bible out. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how those two things go together. Right. You know, and I'm fine if you believe in this a perfect, you know, 24 hour, seven mm-hmm. day creation. Mm-hmm. But what if you don't, that yeah. doesn't mean it just completely negates the whole Bible. Right. And so I think people get to that point where they go, well, if I can't understand this part, well, then what's the point of believing any of it? Right. That's just hogwash to me. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. there's so much truth in all of this and in the whole thing, whether it's factual or not, mm-hmm. doesn't negate or prove it's truth. Yeah. I, don't know, I can't find better language for that sure. right now. But and so I think you get to a point where you're where if someone does challenge and you know, that's a, that's an easy this is an easy uh, cherry picking kind of um, mm-hmm. easy low hanging fruit. That's right. what I was looking for to, to talk about. But you get to college and, and, and folks start talking about different uh, understandings of how the world began, the Big Bang and whatever mm-hmm. else. And suddenly you're talking about millions of years and they go, well, yeah. One, either one or the other is true. Either yeah. it's seven days or it's millions of years. And if they if they get more evidence of millions of years, suddenly they throw the entire scripture out the window and their entire entire faith out the window. But if we can ask questions and and sort of go, okay, well, maybe we don't quite understand all this completely. That doesn't change who Jesus is, yeah, and who God is, and how mm-hmm. I want to follow Him. You know, yeah. and I don't have to know all the answers to continue to trust Him. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's an interesting example because it, it lines up perfectly with actually a conversation we're having with with a friend of ours who that's sort of her sticking point as she is she's being drawn big time to the faith really for the first time in her life and God's God's like calling out to her in such a clear and compelling way and it's like she hears his voice and she doesn't know what's going on and yet there's this sticking point on all of these these theological points that that are sort of missing the mark as you're suggesting so i I think that's that's an important realization perhaps a bigger more general question along those lines is thinking about just the father side of things in general i I see it a lot where fathers or you know mothers and fathers who maybe don't have much of a faith themselves have kids and then it's like uh oh, we probably should go to church. <laughs> oh, I never see that. No, no, no sarcasm. But why? Why do you think that is? And that, I, I, by the way, I think that's a good thing. But if somebody is listening to this, and that's that's them, right? It's like, okay, I there's something here. There's at the very least a positive value system that my kids can grow up in, whether I believe all of this stuff or not myself. And yet the beginning of our conversation was that authenticity is an important part of things. So how can a father be an authentic spiritual head of his household if he doesn't even really believe? Is it still valuable for him to be at least schlepping his kids to church and and youth group and things like that? So talk to me about that dynamic, how you handle it with the parents that you clearly see yourself, 
And maybe then the growth and encouragement that fathers can at least get on if they're not there yet, because it's okay. We were all not there yet at some point anyway. There's kind of a running joke that you'll have, um, you know, teenagers super involved in their middle school, high school, you know, even then a few years in college, and then they just disappear Mm -hmm. until they get married and have kids and the kids about two or three and they're, they're back and, and, Uh you know, and. Well, like they never left, you know, like, oh, we, we, we're so glad we're a part of this church and bless them. You know, we love them. That's what we do. We're like, great. Yeah. Welcome back. Come on. You know, yeah. uh, and the hope is that we've built um, a culture and a relationship with them that they feel comfortable coming, coming back, even when they've gone away, you know. Yeah. But I would what I would say to that is at whatever stage that is, whether it's once they're two or three and you and the, the parents realize, oh, they need to be a part of this community. Or if it's because they realize I can't teach them these things, let's let's subcontract that to the church, to use my language from earlier. Um, whatever the reason is, or if it's they get to those teenage years and they're like, oh, no, we've we're you know, now we really need some help. Wherever that is, it's never too late to start something you know it it may have been easier had you started earlier it may have been easier had you been more consistent from the get-go but it's never too late so if you're a dad out there listening and you're like man i'm 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 not taking my kids to church i'm not living authentically in front of them we haven't done a devote it's okay right now you can start that yeah um in fact if if i've heard stories and seen it happen where dads just sort of have this moment god got a hold of them and they change and, and it's a hard transition, but it may even have a bigger impact because it's like, wow, something got a hold of my dad and he's a different person now. Yeah. Uh, his priorities have changed. What is that? Yeah. And and they see that happening and, and the kid may even have a, a, a stronger faith because of that, because they see it wasn't, you know, like kids, kids just know what they've been exposed to. My kids don't know any different than we go to church because dad works there. You know, mm-hmm. um, we had a, a transition time in between churches and we still went to church every Sunday, yeah. you know, not every Sunday. I'll take that back. <laughs> uh, we did miss a few. I knew it was going to be the first time. So we went to the beach a couple Sundays. All right. Um, but we also went to other churches. We went to church with our, my family, which we never get to do. We went to d- different denominations, which a couple of them, the girls hated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, I thought it was very rich theological uh-huh. liturgy kind of The girls were like, why were we reading something all the time? But anyway, um, but it's never too late. Yeah to start this, to start making those changes. Um, you know, just, just sit down and say, Hey, I'm sorry that we haven't done this, but I think this will be good for our family. So let's give this a try. Mm-hmm. Let's go to church. Let's open our Bible and let's read something. Let's, let's find a family devotion. Yeah. Let's, um, you know, I want to start do, living a better example. I'm going to try to, to have a, you know, control my temper better or to, um, you know, try to have better conversations with you guys or spend more time with you, you know, um, whatever it is that you need to change. It's never too late to make those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I encourage you, whatever the Lord is speaking, you maybe even through this podcast, you know, God yeah. can, the Holy Spirit can move through, through anything. Um, make that change now, whatever it is, sit down and pray and say, God, show me what this one next step is. And, you know, yeah. maybe it's not a big, huge change, but it's a step by step. And what's the next step for you? to be a better spiritual leader as a father. 
Yeah. Um, and it can be any of these three, or maybe it's something completely different. You know, mm-hmm. I'm amazed at times that I'll preach a sermon and somebody will get something out of it. And I look back at my notes and go, I didn't say that. What are you? <laughs> you know, um, so the Holy Spirit does all the work. You yeah. Know? And then sometimes I think, man, that was amazing. Yeah. And like nobody responds. So, you know, that's, that's a humbling time where, yep, yep, it's not about you, Chad. <laughs> that's so. great. And what I'm want to remind myself and any listeners out there that might, find yourself in this position of like, Brett, what you were saying is I'm not bought in yet to this whole Christian faith, but my kids are showing some stirrings or there's something about it. Maybe that I want to learn more about, you know, um, show up at church, hang out with people, ask those questions. You know, it's like what yeah. you were talking about. We as fathers who are fully committed to this following Christ faith want to be more adept at asking questions. We want to be better at asking those questions because God's not too big for the questions. Well, that's the same thing for anybody out there listening. That's going, well, I'm not real sure about this thing yet. Well, show up with some questions, you know, show up, show up at church with questions, call some people that, you know, are men of the faith and ask some questions, open up the Bible, read a little story, maybe start in the book of John, you know, somewhere and say, what can I learn about God from this story? And maybe even do that with your kids. You yeah. know, it's okay to to learn together. There's plenty of things that I do with my kids that we're just in this process learning together. I mean, For Liam, sure. Liam uh, bought his first truck and wanted to learn how to do the oil change. I've never changed the oil on a truck before. And he and I learned how to do it together. And that's cool. That's okay. You know, we that's watched some right. YouTube videos and said, okay, we yeah. got to put this pan underneath here and undo this screw and make sure we get this filter wrench and all the things. Right. So spirituality is the same way. And, and God's a God that's big enough to handle all of our questions and more. Uh, But that's one thing that kind of came to my mind as we're discussing this idea is to show up with questions and, and, and start there. And, And I will say this, it may be intimidating to, to take your kids to a church you've never been to before or to try to find that community of faith, right? Um, I will say that trying to find the right language for this, the, the good ones, the good churches, the good pastors are going are not going to be judgmental about. Yeah, you know they're going to welcome you in. Yeah, they're going to be okay and, and and excited. As a pastor, I love when people ask questions. That's what I you know those are the moments I live for. All right, yeah. this is what I've been training for. You know, yeah. here we go. Right. Yeah. Um, and if you go to a church and feel that judgment. Find another church. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what part of the country you're in listening to this, um, but around here we're in we're in the Bible Belt, so yeah. I know there are not. This is not the case everywhere, but um, we we joke there are 150 Christian churches in this county. Yeah, um, we hope that you'll come be a part of ours. But if this isn't it, that's okay. There's 149 others. Go find <laughs> one, right? And so if you go to a church and man, they just kind of look down their nose at you and be like, well, why are you just now showing up or whatever attitude you're worried about? Mm-hmm. As Jesus said, dust to feed off your yeah. sandals and move on to the next one, you know? Yeah. Um, and and met, that may mean traveling 10 or 15 miles in the town that you're living in, whatever that looks like. Um, but an, another thing that I always say is it's worth it. It is hard sometimes to get your kids up in, on Sunday mornings. And especially if you've got more than one, to get everybody's shoes on and everybody's, you know, teeth brushed and everybody, whatever. 
all those things and get them in the car screaming and hollering and, yep. you know, fussing and yelling and cussing and whatever it might yep. look like. And then walk through the doors and put a smile on your face. Um, but whatever that is, it's worth it. It is worth that trouble. It is worth that struggle um, because your kids will learn about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, another that just came to mind on the, I'm chasing a rabbit here, but um, as a dad, I want you to think about when your kids were born and um, the first time you took your kids to meet your parents, you know, Hey dad, this, this is my son. Yeah. You know, um, that's what church is. Yeah. We want to take our kids and say, Hey, heavenly father, this is my kid. Yeah. And I want you to, I want him to know you, you know, um, I miss there's, there's my grandparents just because of the ages of, of, of everyone. My kids really didn't get to know many of their grandparents. Um, and I wish they had more time. And even right now, the one grandparent that we're closer in proximity to girls are kind of intimidated by for some reason, they don't really, you know, they don't want to talk to her. And, and, Mm -hmm. and it breaks my heart because there's so much wisdom and so much love coming from that. Yeah. Imagine that a hundred million times more with our heavenly father. And why are we intimidated by that? Let's, let's introduce our kids to our heavenly parent, to our, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and and make that a sweet moment and make that a priority. Yeah. And I think that's what church, how we should view church. Yeah. That's a really cool visual. Yeah. Let's, as we wrap up this conversation, uh, I have a question that I think will, uh, will maybe help us end things on, on a fun light note. I have a funny story to share, share as well, but just one encouragement that came to my mind as we're having this conversation, which is just that the kids are, and kids are so cool. Kids are a blessing. And kids, I think, can sometimes point us to the Father in ways that that grown-ups can't. You know, Jesus encourages us to have faith like a child. And there's so many times I got a four-year-old right now where he'll just blurt something out with this just this joy for life. And there's such the this genuine, deep, innocent, but profound faith that he has. And I'm like, man, I got. Like, why don't I have that anymore? You know, it's like, I have, I feel like I have less authentic faith at age 44 than he has at age four sometimes. And so, so humble yourselves, fathers, and and be willing to learn from your kids as well. They may be able to point you to God in ways that others can't. Um, so, so my question for maybe both of you guys is, do you have any fun stories or funny stories that your kids did when they were little around around things of God or, or funny things that you've seen in children's church or anything like that. Um, you know, just maybe that would speak to, to this idea when, when we first adopted our two older boys, they were, they were still young ages three and five and their, their grandmother, they call her God G a, I don't know where that came from, but they just God. and they were God obsessed. They just love God. Everything was God. And and my cousin came to visit us shortly after we had gotten them. So they were they were living with us and and so he's just hanging out with us for a, a day and a half. And we're going to dinner and playing in the backyard and all this type of stuff. And as he's getting ready to leave, he goes, Man, your kids are unbelievably religious. <laughs> because <laughs> he heard them crediting God with everything. <laughs> God bought me these shoes. God, God gave me this food. This, you know, this treat was from God or whatever. And, and I was like, man, there's okay. There's something, there's something to that if that's what you wanted to hear. But uh 
I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny. Anything <laughs> any funny stories come to mind from your own kids or or just anything that they've done that you think really embodies this this faith that we're talking about? I I can't think of any one particular story right now, but I, I can I can say this that I don't think I understand understood the love of God until I had kids. Yeah. You know? Um and and then at the same time, like you said, that the whole childlike faith, the here, yeah. the way they understand things puts a new perspective on it. It also helps me change the language that I use sometimes because we use very concrete language to to some abstract things mm. or vice versa and uh, to hear the way kids think and uh, the thinking uh, the one story that comes to mind it was actually a teenager back in my youth ministry days we had a kid who we were talking about asking questions right we wanted to ask questions he was he was a question machine yeah right and so um but they had nothing to do with the bible story we were talking about <laughs> it was just just and so one day I will credit the Holy Spirit with this idea. Um, I just handed him a piece of paper and a pen and said, listen, when a question comes to your mind, I don't care if it has to do with the Bible story or not, just write it down. Yeah. And I promise you today we will end five minutes early and I will answer every single question. when you <laughs> So he was over there just the whole time. I don't know that he heard anything yeah. I said that day. He was writing, writing, writing. He was asking things yeah. like how to meet my wife. Yeah. How, you know, just, just random stuff. And so I ended five minutes early, answered all his questions. Yeah. And he was pretty chill from then on, you know, that's but a trip. he just, he was just full of curiosity. Yeah. And I think that's what kids do. They yeah. are full of curiosity. And I think, again, I think this is sort of undergird everything we've talked about is sometimes we get so certain that we lose our curiosity. Mm. And I think God is a God of wonder. Yeah. And when we lose that, that's part of what our childlike faith is, is there's a wonder that as adults, we go, no, we know the answers. Mm-hmm. And we stop wondering and stop appreciating in the mystery of God. And when we've done that and we've, we missed the boat, you know, this yeah. is, this is a God who, I can have all the answers to that's, that's not much of a God. That's not the God I no. want to serve. And uh, I want a God who's bigger than I can understand and bigger than I can explain because yeah. my problems are bigger than I can understand and bigger yeah. than I can, explain, <laughs> I can explain to. Yeah, that's right. I love it. That's great. Well, I've got one funny one that comes from Seth. All of our kids have professed faith in Christ and uh, at different stages Ruby was kind of the later in life of all of them. And it's funny, you know, it stressed me out so much at the time. I'm like, man, you know, she's like three years old. And I'm like, when's she going to, when's she going to, you know, like, oh man, you know, she's three, like chill out, man. I think the Lord was probably just rolling his eyes, laughing at my, my stressed outness about Ruby coming to the faith, like so late in life, you know, five years old, whatever it was, six years old, you know. I'd ask her, you know, hey, do you do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? She'd be like, no. And I'm like, dang it, you know. I'm like crushed. I'm like, oh no, like what am I doing wrong, you know? Uh, but that's just me being probably a little bit overzealous and trying to force that to happen versus waiting on the Lord's timing and the softening of her heart. But I'll tell you two things: one about Seth and one about Ruby. The one about Seth is he was little, and we. We were, uh, both of these were around the dinner table uh, at our old house. And Seth, one day, just at the dinner table, announces, I think, he was very young, very little, I think, I think, 
today I want Jesus in my belly. And, you know, we talk about Christ in your heart, like the Holy Spirit coming to live in your heart and all that. And we were at the dinner table, we're eating. And at his toddler age, that was his, you know, kind of initial public profession of faith that he thinks he wants Jesus in his belly. I love that. uh, In his belly. So that was kind of funny. And then after I'd finally come to terms with Ruby, the Lord... I had a lot of conversations with the Lord about Ruby's salvation. I was like really stressed about this for a while. You know, I'm like, oh man. But anyway, finally got to the point where the Lord calmed me down a little bit. He relaxed me. He's like, hey man, chill out. You know, it's my timing, not yours. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we're sitting around the same dinner table. This is, you know, years later. And we're talking about salvation and we're talking about these things and you know, the brothers had and Seth was saying, well, what about Ruby? What about Ruby? I said, well, she's not, I said, she's not ready yet. I said, she's not, she hasn't gotten to the point where she wants to invite Christ into her life and let him kind of run the show and him be here. I said, she's just not ready yet. You know, and I had really come to terms with it. And, and I'm talking to Seth about it, but we're all at the family dinner table and Ruby's right there. And she just out of nowhere goes, yes, I am. I said, what, what? Yeah. Are you kidding? What do you mean? Yes, you are. She goes, yeah, I'm ready. I said, you, you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, we, you want to do that right now? She goes, yeah. So we kind of just pray around the dinner table, but that's just God's humor. Like me being so stressed about is Ruby going to get saved? Like when is it? And then finally me getting to the point of going, okay, God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I have no responsibility, right. To model and teach and ask questions and raise her in a way to do that. But ultimately it's the Holy Spirit's work of calling her heart to himself. And I finally got to the point of being okay with it. And, you know, it wasn't right away. I mean, I was in that stage for a while, but me just saying to Seth, no, no, Ruby will, Ruby's not ready yet. You know, one day God will call on her heart and she'll want to say yes to that, but she's not there yet. Like, you don't, you can't force that on her. You can't, you know, I'm like every here explaining to Seth. And then just out of the blue, she's like, oh, yes, I am. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) So that was kind of wild. (laughs) And that just brings up another, you know, idea about the language we use when when Seth said he wanted Jesus in his belly. Yeah. What what do we mean when we say we (laughs) want Jesus in our heart anyway? What does that mean? Right. You you know, to be careful about that. But but also, um, as a friend of mine, and uh, we say together, the Bible is not rated PG. You know, there are things in there. So don't just open Genesis. We. I made this mistake myself recently. <laughs> we read through the book of John together. Yeah. That's a great place to start. If you're looking for a place to start, there's some great you know, devotional kids books out there. If you just want to read through the Bible, John is a good place to start. Genesis, maybe not. Yeah. You get to chapters 20 something and there's some things in, we're reading like, I'm like, okay. We're, so we stopped at that point and we've moved to something else. But yeah, um, <laughs> to just the language that we use, I don't mean like bad words. I mean, the vocabulary we use to be, it helps me to to really think through well what does that really mean you know i mean again childlike faith childlike vocabulary helps us understand even deeper um i think there's a saying this is you can't really uh you don't really understand something until you can explain it to a six-year-old yeah that's right you know and um so that's something too these conversations are not just to help your kids they're going to help you as a dad as as just a follower of jesus to dig into these passages to dig into these uh, concepts and be like what does that really mean? Yeah. You know, I never really thought about it beyond these euphemisms we use. Yeah. So uh, those are always fun. And that one, there's a great example of that's Jesus in my belly. Well, why do we, 
where did he come up with that? Well, yeah. you know why he came up with that. So yeah. why do we say it that way? Yeah. And it just kind of opens our eyes that in ways that having kids, only having kids can do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I, I realize and acknowledge that I need to humble myself a lot more, ask a lot more questions and be personally even more curious than perhaps I've been in the past. And and have that curiosity and explore those things with my kids, walk it out with them. So Chad, I thank you for your time this morning. It's been good to get to know you, uh, even through through the, the medium of this podcast. Perry, thank you as always to the listeners. We appreciate you showing up with us today. Hopefully you have been blessed as well. Thank you as always for continuing to follow us, to uh, to listen, to spend some of your time with us. We pray and hope that it encourages you on your fatherhood journey. So with that, we will sign off for now. Look forward to coming with you on a future episode. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. We'll talk with you next time on the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Take care, everyone. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good